The biggest complaint I hear from women is that they don't have the support they need from family and friends to uplevel their life, or they just don't know how to do it. Well, I'm changing all that. I have met amazing women on my podcast, and it's inspired me to create the Warrior Women Mastermind. What's a mastermind? It's a small group of women, hand-selected by me, specifically designed and curated for those women who want to up-level their business, brand, and mindset. You'll get incredible support and meet like-minded women in a non-competitive environment. You'll have incredible access to my network of coaches, entrepreneurs, and experts in every field to accelerate you on every level. My next mastermind is launching in the fall. Feeling like you need a push? A boost? Someone to pull you up where you're supposed to be? Well, go to my website at lizswadek.com and schedule a discovery call to learn more about how you can apply. That's Liz, L-I-Z-S-V-A-T-E-K.com. This is invitation only, ladies, but that invitation is waiting for you. Women aren't born warriors. We become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week, I'm interviewing women who, through tragedy and triumph, are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Money, 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 money. Oh, yes. Today, we are going to talk about reinventing your relationship to money as well as your career goals. That's right, warrior women. Today, we are going to learn how an incredibly successful serial entrepreneur learned that continually reinventing herself is the key to success. I meet women all the time who feel so guilty for wanting to change their career or their personal life. I want to tell you, this is your life. your one big, beautiful life. So why not go for it? Really? I mean, what do you have to lose? Do you want to get to the end of your life not having gone for it? I say no. Remember, I am not just a podcast host, but your personal coach rooting you on. And remember, if you would like to join a mastermind workshop or coach with me, just go to lizswadek.com and click on the discovery call link and let's chat. I also want to thank you for all your amazing five-star reviews on this podcast. Our fan of the week, Explorer26, says this, I love listening to these chats with fabulous and inspiring women. Liz pulls out such great nuggets to learn from and has incredible energy and warmth. I grow from every listen. Thank you, Explorer26. I love you. I appreciate that. If you want to be fan of the week, please leave me a five-star written review. These written reviews really help us stay on top of the leaderboard. Thank you so much in advance for supporting me and this Warrior Women community. We are a community, friends. Okay, on to our sponsor, Rita Bakutsi. Oh my God, it's so good to see you, Rita. You were episode 25 and you were one of the most popular episodes, by the way, Rita. It was a financial warrior episode. What if I want to come and hang out with you more, Rita? What are you doing? Oh my gosh, Liz, I would love for you to come hang out more with me. And I'm going to extend a personal invitation to you and all your warrior women to join me at Wine, Women, and Wealth because that's a monthly event where we get to have fun together. It's a safe space to talk. 
and we get to connect with other amazing women. Wine, women, and wealth. This sounds right up my alley. But what if I don't know anything, Rita? What if I really need a kind of a little bit of education around money? Well, then you can check out my free Money 101 webinar where you get to learn six key money principles, how to create a financial shield of armor. I love that. Okay, but what if I'm really serious about money? Like, what if I really want to get in deep with you? I want to learn a lot and I want to go fast. Well, if you want to go fast, Money Education Movement Bootcamp is yours. If you're serious and fast, you get that money mindset mastery, your money skills mastery in a small interactive group. My God, I love all these things. Okay, I want to sign up for everything. Where do I go, Mama Rita? You get to go to MamaRitaMoney.com. Yes, that's M-A-M-M-A-R-I-T-A money.com. Come on, warriors, join me and let's get financially savvy. Welcome back, everybody. My guest today is a mom, an inventor, an author, a speaker, a podcaster, and a serial entrepreneur, Kalika Yap. A native of Honolulu, Hawaii, Kalika started out working as a journalist for CNBC and Bloomberg after graduating from NYU. She loved the bustle of New York City, but traded it in for the West Coast. The move wasn't in one. Finding a journalism job in Los Angeles proved more difficult than in media capital, New York. In love with California, she decided to make lemons out of lemonade. Kalika is now thriving as a serial entrepreneur who's Businesses include award-winning brand agency Citrus Studios, Luxlink, The Waxing Co., The Tangerine Co., and Orange and Burma. Kaliga is also the host of the EO Wonder podcast featuring women in business that become successful entrepreneurs. Welcome to the show, Kalika. Hi, Liz. Thank you so much for having me. It is an absolute honor. I don't know that I've had another serial entrepreneur. I mean, like, I really was like, you really are one. You have... So much going on, and you have a family. So I'm, I really am excited to, to learn all about how you're making this happen. Awesome. I'm so glad to be among the same person, too. You're doing a lot of things yourself. And thank you so much for having this podcast to help empower women. I think it's phenomenal. Awesome. Well, I know you're an immigrant and you moved from mm-hmm. the Philippines to Hawaii when you were three. What was your childhood like? Is there anything? Any clues in your childhood, Kalika, that would would tell me what you're doing now or which led to what you're doing now? Yes, I am an immigrant. My parents fled Manila during Marcus's martial law, and I arrived in, in Honolulu, Hawaii. You know, they left comfort for freedom and a dream. And I absolutely loved growing up in Hawaii. Now, I'm from family potlucks and luau's and bonfires. Oh, I'm so I am from Kula so and ukulele, night surfing, laying on the s- sand in awe of the stars that s- stretched out over the sky. Mm-mm-mm. And my parents were also entrepreneurs. So at first, when my dad was in the Philippines, he started off early on in his career going door to door and selling encyclopedias. And then later on, he started his own company where he sold china and cutlery. And so I saw entrepreneurship pretty much firsthand. But in the middle of that, you know, I was just always exhilarated by my numerous near drowning experiences at Hanama Bay and Waimea Bay and, uh, (laughs) you know, being in a small business environment. I mean, that's a really interesting thing because you've got someone in your house who's hitting the road every day, all day, right? And you really learn, yes, he has his freedom in some ways, but you also learn it's all on him, right? You watch him day after day 
trying to make money. And if he doesn't sell, then he's not making money. So it's, that's a, that's an interesting thing that you had that because, you know, other people, they just watch their dads, like maybe go to a boring office and they don't even know what their dads do, or they work at a bank. God knows what they do, but you knew your dad was like hustling, was working, was trying to better himself. That's an amazing thing to have like as an example, right in your face. Yeah. And when we arrived, you know, so when we were in the Philippines, like we were, you know, we had you know, maids, you know, we had, we lived a comfortable life. And then when we landed in Hawaii, we, we landed in a, in a ghetto called Kalihi, where then I also saw him, like you said, hustling and we moved slowly up. Like with all that hard work, we went from Kalihi to Mauna Lua, you know, it's sort of like moving, you know, like uptown yeah, to yeah. Waikai where I ended up. So I not only saw from the very beginning where we basically are, idea of a luxurious meal was walking outside of our, you know, basically a project, you know, apartment. It was like the projects and then going to McDonald's and eating 10 cent apple pies. (laughs) Well, listen, those were good. I must say, um, uh, not anymore, but they were good when we were kids. What did your dad do in the Philippines? Yeah. So he was selling, you know, it's like same thing. So a similar thing. Oh, okay. And And then when he came to the U S then he started selling cutlery in China. Okay, and then he, he also ended up owning Roto-Rooters. You know? <laughs> so, oh my gosh. Several. I love it. Yes. I know exactly companies. what that is. <laughs> he was also a serial entrepreneur too. <laughs> yeah. Yes. My husband's a contractor. So I know all about the people that do all the things. You moved to LA with your college boyfriend who of course, as all these stories go, ended up breaking up with you, leaving you with no job, no car, no friends, nowhere to live. And you started hanging out at an internet cafe how at that time, which probably looks like the low, probably the lowest moment of your whole life up to that point, how did that lead to you starting your first company? From the outside, I looked like a complete loser, prompting thus my friends who were working at the Today Show, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, NBC, to come and try to do an intervention because they were like, what is this girl doing? She's, she went to NYU and now she's making coffee and zucchini bread. And getting paid $6 under the table. But truth be told, I knew there was something wrong with me staying in journalism. It just didn't feel right for me. But I never vocalized that because my parents had just spent hundreds of thousands of dollars in a private school education. And I said, this is where I want to go. And then deep down inside, my intuition was just like, this is not where I want to be. And so when everything went to hell, also went to hell were the expectations And so I felt free. I had never felt so free in my entire life. It was quite extraordinary. I didn't have anything, but I did have my freedom. That is amazing. I mean, were you reeling from the breakup at all? Or were you, you probably had got over that and then realized how free you were because you could never voice this. And maybe you got over it. Were you kind of like <laughs> crying in your soup when, you, when your boyfriend broke up with you? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I let myself cry for about three days. But also, you know, like you also had that feeling. You're just like, you knew it wasn't the, the right thing as well. You know, like it's just, I wanted to just check that box, the bucket list. Okay, I'm going to marry my college boyfriend. And, and the thing is with, with my boyfriend at that time, we met on the plane from Hawaii to New York. So it was like this, like, oh, like this dream, like, oh, you know, I'm going to marry my college boyfriend. Like, but deep down inside, I'm just like, he's kind of like me, you know, he's a, he's a little mean, you know, and he was like, he's a Virgo and he was, he was always so, and my husband's a complete total, total different, you know, like anal retentive, like it was just, but I wanted it to work because again, just like, just like a university education, you spent 
all this time. And so you're telling yourself, well, I spent all this time. I can't throw this all away. But in a way, I was kind of relieved because now it's just like, oh, thank God. Like, thank God. <laughs> yeah. And so how did you start your first business then? Were you at that, were you at that internet cafe when you, like, I know you kind of learned some things while you're at that internet cafe. Yeah, no, no, no. I, at first I, I learned how to make lattes and HTML, you know, pages, but I went to the Getty first because at the Getty Museum, they were looking for someone with experience on the internet. And I had, unbeknownst to me, I, I, I love teaching. And so my mom, and my grandmother are both teachers. So I, anytime I learned something, I would teach it. And then a company called Yahoo, before they became known as Yahoo, sponsored some of my classes. They were sponsoring some classes at, at Harvard at the time. So I reached out to them just blindly. And, you know, one of the girls who was the community diva, I think she was like one of the hundred, the hundredth person at Yahoo. She's still my friend today. And she was just like, I remember those days. But yeah, no, I went to the Getty first. And then I was doing website design and development on the side, like like a side hustle. You know, they didn't name it a side hustle before, but that's what I was doing. You were, yeah, you were hustling, side hustling before that was even a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so what? So then, which I know you have a bunch of which was your first business that you started then? Citrus, Citrus Studio. Citrus. Okay, yeah. and what was what? How did that? What, how was that born? Kind of taking your side hustle and kind of moving it into the <laughs> the forefront. Yeah. You know, so when I was at the Getty, this is something interesting. If anyone who's listening is in a career, I, you know, was living outside of my bounds at the Getty, even though my title was like, I'm going to be a web developer. I'm working primarily on the main Getty website. I went outside of that and I started, I was teaching and I was doing some search and optimization. And then on the side, I was making all this money doing website design and development. And when I was getting paid more doing that. I decided to leave. Yeah. The, the Getty. And then the Getty, because I was doing so many things, became my first client. Amazing. Yeah. Because you're, you're already impressing them. Yeah. I think, you know, we were doing exhibition websites, you know, and I was also teaching and I was doing their internet. Like I just went outside of my bounds and I, they, they were like, where did she go? <laughs> so I was like, well, let's, let's hire her and oh pay her. I don't know. Like. 15 times more than what I was getting paid. I mean, if that's not a testament to you just kind of being creative about your job, I love it. You have a business called LuxLink, which I'm dying over because you are the inventor of the foldable purse hook. Yes. Which my mother and I have 400 times said, whoever invented this is so brilliant because there is nothing, and I do believe in purse on the floor, money out the door. I 100% believe that. And I used to feel so weird. We, my mother and I used to laugh. We'd, we'd get a purse chair. We'd be like, table for three. And they'd be like, there's two people. We're like, well, we need a chair for our purses. Yeah. We used to do that all the time. That's right. And then one Christmas, she gives me this. And I'm like, thank you. This is brilliant. I, what a great idea. And she's like, can you just imagine whoever thought of this? She is going to straight die when this podcast airs. Oh, my God. So now you are licensed by one. everyone from one. Hello Kitty, Michael Kors, now, listen, Felika, a lot of people have really good ideas mm -hmm. and nothing ever happens. So mm -hmm. what do you think, if you had to kind of like step out of yourself and, and analyze that situation, what would you say is the reason you've been so successful with this? What did you do right? So I definitely visualized everyone having it, but I think I probably should have been a little bit more specific when I said I wanted to have millions of women to have a purse hook. That's what I said out loud. And I think worldwide, probably, you know, 25 million purse hooks later, a lot of them are purse hooks that infringe on my patent. 
And so I probably should have had said something more clear where it said, I want millions and millions of women to have the LuxLink purse hook rather than just a purse hook because I ended up spending a lot of time in court because everyone infringed on my patent. I mean- Because it's um, a brilliant damn idea. So they're trying to get in on it. Red envelope, you had to pay us a ton of money and, you know- Forever 21, all of them. I mean, they all did. <laughs> well, I mean, good, good that you won. Yeah. Yeah, but that's, you're right. A lot of time and energy on your part. So it was a really good idea. Do you think it was sort of a timing thing? Like, like, like exactly like what we're talking about. Like it's something that you didn't know you needed. And then when somebody gave it to you, you were like, um, yes, hello. So I really do believe that it's important to have some type of audience, you know, some, uh, you know, as I was preparing for this podcast and looking at the questions ahead of time, you know, like what, what makes a really good idea? And there was another entrepreneur that I was coaching a, a little while ago and she created a product for one person because this one person said, I wish I had this. And I thought to myself, well, that's really odd. Like, why would you create something for one person that's not even yourself? You know? And so what I did was I was always obsessed about where my purse was. And when I saw, when, when this proprietary proprietor at this restaurant in the Malfi coast gave me this gigantic hook, I just thought, oh my God, this is exactly what I need, but it needs work. This hook is too big for my purse. I wouldn't want to carry it, but what can I do to improve it? So you could always start with an idea and make it better. Mm -hmm. And it was something that I desperately wanted wanted so bad that I spent tens of thousands of dollars creating a prototype with design agency here in California, did not work out, wanted it so bad that I flew to China, to Guangzhou, to the Canton Fair, tried to figure out like who can make this. And so to myself, I was like a company, it's like a, it's like a keychain. So I approached a keychain manufacturer and said, this is my idea. And literally two weeks after I flew back from China, I had a very similar prototype. It was a really crappy prototype, but as soon as I got in my hands, I'm just like, oh my God, this is it. This is it. Yeah. I mean, you loved it so much that you worked your tail off is really the answer of what you're trying yeah. to But what was interesting, a lot of people are like, oh, I had that idea. I had that idea. And I'm thinking, it took me about a good two years for me to get this idea. And, and, and when I was fighting people, you know, in court, they're like, oh, it's so obvious. And I'm like, oh, is it really that obvious? Because it took me a long time to get this product patented and to, and to work it, to get it to that point. Yeah. To get, yeah. I mean, you know, people and don't really hundreds of thousands of dollars, right. On my patent as well. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Well, that's, that's an amazing story though. Like any entrepreneur, I know you've, you've struggled. You've had a partnership breakups, embezzlement, recessions. What do you think your hardest moment has been with your any of your businesses and how do you keep going? I think the hardest moment really wasn't with business, but was when I was trying to get pregnant. You know, the first time it took me about five years to get pregnant with my first child, with my, with my daughter. And I think that was the most difficult because in business, you can work hard, you can outwork someone, but when it comes to your body or when it comes to timing, when it comes to the universe, like you really had to just let go. And that was the biggest learning for me. And so like right now, like 
anything can happen. And I'm just, all I wanted was really to have children. And I thought I was going to have it really easy because my mom had five kids and I thought that, oh, it's going to be really easy. And my husband, I remember when we first got married, he was just like, oh, we should try. And, I'm, and, I was, and in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, it's too early. It's too soon you know, to have. And I think that maybe the universe probably heard that because you know, it took about five years of just, and then I got, and then after I got the LuxLink prototype, when I flew back from China, that's when I got pregnant and I got pregnant naturally. Well, Very strange, the same but literally thing happened to me. miscarriage after miscarriage after oh, miscarriage wow. was just, it was brutal. And there, you could see some, you could see like sort of when I was going through that time, like it, I, I looked almost purple, just very, very sad, very sad person. Cause you know, everyone's asking when are you going to have baby? And then I remember my mother-in-law was like, maybe you don't, maybe you're, you don't not deserve to have a baby. She said something like that, which made me feel bad, but like, maybe you're just not meant to have a kid. And I was just like, mm. I wanted was a kid. <laughs> oh, of course. Well, that's the other thing too. They, that's the, like exactly like you said. I, I had a similar thing. I couldn't oh, get, yeah. I, you know, you spend your whole life trying not to get pregnant. Ha ha ha. And then right. you want to get pregnant. And I, you know, and I could not get pregnant. Nothing was even wrong. You know, I don't even know what, what it was, but we did in vitro, put in three uh, eggs, got one Landon. And then, so we did in vitro with him. And then I was waiting to do my second round and I found out I was pregnant. There you go. So Landon was in vitro and Coco was a mojito. Oh, we always say that she was very inexpensive comparatively. She's going to cost me more in the long run, but at least in terms of getting pregnant, she was cheaper. I know that you are a really big believer in entrepreneurship and your other two companies, Citrus Studios, which is a digital and branding agency and Orange and Bergamot, which is where you create branded websites for female entrepreneurs. You really support women in, in business. You really, really believe in that. Why are you so passionate about women being entrepreneurs? Oh, women are the best. They are creative. They are intuitive. They are, they give back. You know, they have a heart. I think that when women are at their highest level, I mean, they really are the nurturers of our community. I mean, we need to see more women. And when I was looking at the stats, there's in the U.S. especially, there's 15 million, one five million men entrepreneurs, but only 12 million female entrepreneurs. I'm thinking, why is there such a big gap? Three million women who are just sort of waiting in the sidelines. Not that they can't do it. It's just, they just don't. I read this book by Sally Hegelsman, How Women Rise. And there's a lot of, you know, behaviors that hold women back. You know, perfection trap, you know, they ruminate, you know, overthinking, you know, they think that they have to be over-credentialed before they start something. So, I'm hoping that more women will join the ranks of entrepreneurship because, man, our ideas are just phenomenal, you know, because we can see macro and we can see micro and we can see solutions. We're constant problem solvers. And that really is what an entrepreneur is, a problem solver. And we need more women solving problems for the good of this world. Yeah. Women do a great, I mean, I've met so many amazing female entrepreneurs and it always just blows my mind because I, I always, I see a couple of my friends who are stuck in corporate jobs. I'm like, Ooh, it just, it just, they're so miserable. And I think it's, it's hard to take the leap. You know, it's hard to kind of, especially when you've, you've kind of gone down another track, right. And then you got to kind of yes. switch tracks. It's hard to take the leap, but I haven't heard one person yet say they weren't happy. They did it. Right. <laughs> Not one person. So that's crazy. Tell me about the book you wrote, the little brand book. I love, um, I love this whole idea. Little brand book, or where is it here? Yeah, yeah, there it is, right there. 
So the Little Brown Book is my first foray to helping female entrepreneurs because I think that if you don't know who you are, what you do, or why it matters, then you really don't know how to communicate with the world. And it starts with branding. And so I put together this book. It has 12 archetypes. I believe that everyone has a major and a minor archetype. So there's actually a total of 144 archetypes just so people can simplify who they think that they appear in the world. And okay, so I, I also believe in you know spirituality where we are really bigger than all these archetypes that we have in our you know, that we create, you know, these are all things that we make up in your mind, but this, these are shortcuts. People put everyone in little boxes. And so if you can neatly fit in one or two boxes, it's easier for you to communicate who you are in the world. And so this is just my first take and my first step in, in helping women entrepreneurs. I love that. And so you can kind of go, you can use it kind of like a workbook, like you can kind of go through it and kind of figure yourself out. Is that how it works? Yes. There's a little quiz. And I think that I wish I had a book like this because even though I was teaching classes when I was at CyberJava, that internet cafe, I didn't see myself as a teacher. And after I took this test, you know, I created this test, this quiz, I realized that I'm a maven, which is someone who's a teacher and also a leader. And if I had known that it was that combination, I would have probably done more teaching consciously rather than unconsciously. I was just doing it just for fun. Like I didn't even realize. And so if people see that they are, you know, the heroine archetype where they're always sticking up for the the person without the voice or, or they're the rebel who's someone who's always, you know, bumping up against the sides of the box, then they can do something with that, you know, in their business or in their life. I'm going to get this book. I can't even wait. <laughs> I'll send you uh, one. I'll send you oh, one. Oh, I would love one. Oh my it. God. You know, because I, I was just thinking that's such an, an interesting concept because I think women, because especially we don't like to take credit for things. We're always like not celebrating ourselves, not taking credit, nothing. I feel like a lot of women do have these talents and gifts, but they, like you're saying, just think it's just like them. Like the, uh, the other day, my girlfriend told me, she's like, you know, you're a coach, right? And I was like, no, I'm not a coach. I'm a, I have a podcast. She's like, no, you're a coach. and I said, I understand. She goes, I watch you do it with everybody. You're coaching people all day damn long. And it really made me start thinking about it because she's kind of right. That's kind of what I do. I'm always kind of coaching women and giving them, you know, brand advice or strategic advice or marketing advice, or I, and I help people uh, launch podcasts. Like that's something I already, you know, do anyway. So like, it's kind of a funny thing, but it's just something when you, when you're just doing it, you don't necessarily know it's something that you could either be paid to do, or even that it's a gift or a talent because it's just something that you're inherently good at, right? So I think that you are a charismatic maven. A charismatic maven. What is that? A charismatic, mean? because you said that in your previous life, you were an actor. Yes. So the, the charismatics are the ones who are, you know, they just light up the room. They're the one that energizes the room, but you also like to inspire people and you also like to teach. I mean, that's what a coach does. They teach yeah. and they and they inspire, and so you're probably a charismatic maven, you know. Or you know, I would love to see what what comes. Oh, up. I can't wait to take this quiz. I'm going to take this quiz right away. <laughs> so tell yeah. me, Kalika, I want to know. I'm I'm going off script for just one minute because I have to know. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Who is a sort of entrepreneurial mentor to you? Like, do you have anybody that you kind of look at it and say, "Wow." I mean, you really have done so many things. So, I mean, my God, every you're everyone else's mentor. But is there anyone that you kind of look at and say, wow, that's that's a really interesting business or she's running her business in such an interesting way or anything like that? 
you know what I was who I was really impressed with was Kendra Scott when I interviewed her. She she was one of my professors at the Entrepreneur's Masters program at MIT. And literally this woman who I mean she, at 19 years old, she had this hat shop. She tried to keep it going, you know, for five years and she was completely bankrupt, you know, and, and, you know, her, her stepfather died. She had to close, she had to close the business. She put on all her money. She had to go get a job. Then she borrowed money. She, do you know Kendra Scott? Yeah, I have her jewelry. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then she, she had a newborn and she's going door to door selling her jewelry in this like janky, you know, tea box that she got from as a wedding gift going door to door, you know, and then fast forward, you know, 10 years later, her company's worth over a billion dollars. And she's everywhere. She's in malls. She's everywhere. And and what I like most about her was that even that when she's faced with fear, right? So she had this retail shop, this, this hat shop that did not work. And then the first recession was 2008. She was thinking to herself, like, do I need to open up another retail shop, right? So she already had this experience at this hat shop where it failed miserably. And then she's like, I'm just going to go for it again. Can you imagine, right? Like I did that and I failed. I had to go get a job. And I'm going to try it again. That's why I'm so impressed with her. I, I'm impressed by women who will just keep on going, even yes. though <laughs> they were shut down. Yes. She struggled a lot. And she was a single mom, you know, like she was a single mom. That, you know, she got divorced. And so she was running this company. And I remember she, the story that she shared with me when she was at EMP, the Entrepreneur's Master's Program too, like she felt like she didn't belong there. And so she sat in the back of the class, you know, she tried to hide and then she sort of talked to herself into thinking, you know what? Like, I deserve to be here. I got accepted to this program. I deserve. And so she moved herself up to the front and that made all the difference, you know? And so, you know, I guess what impressed me is like, you know, she's sort of coaching herself. You know? Yeah. Like, you can do it. You can do it. You know, you failed miserably here, but you know what? I still believe in you. <laughs> I think that's amazing. I, I, that's literally what this podcast is about, is that I love women that are in the trenches, they're battling and they get knocked down and get back up. I was on this podcast. I have a new favorite podcast called Self-Deprecated. This girl is so fun, fun and funny. She just basically interviews people and has you laugh at, at different things that you've been through in your life, bad and good and all over the map. But it's self, self-deprecated self with Tiffany Phillips. And I went on her show and she asked me what my theme song was. And I said, my theme song is, I get knocked down, but I get up again. <laughs> and I started singing. She, she and I were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, oh, it was, I mean, it really was true, though. That's how I feel all the time. I feel like I get knocked down. I just pop up, you know. But, you know, yeah, that's and, what it and takes. And still doing it with joy, you know, just learning yeah. how to dance in the rain, you know, pulling up your yellow rain boots and just jumping around in the puddles. Exactly. Exactly. Well, what's your next chapter, Kalika? What are you working on? What are you, I know you're trying to get 1 million women, 1 million women to be entrepreneurs and entre- make one, at least a million dollars in revenue Oh Lord. and create a million jobs. Yeah. Yeah. So I just a minimum, it. the minimum, you know, like I think that women can do it, you know, so that's, that's what I want to do. So I'm creating a female founders Academy. I'm I'm putting together a sales 
and sales and sensibility course. There's all this courses right now about sales. I think the issue is there's, you know, I do branding, right? I see a lot of women who say that they offer branding services, but I really come at it with how can you make money with your brand? I don't care if it looks pretty. Can you make money? Are you making money? That's a question I always want to ask people. Are you offering three things? You know, are you giving back? Do you have a purpose? Does this purpose resonate with you and your clients? And when they understand what their purpose is, because purpose is a powerful, powerful thing. You know, when you have purpose, you can tie together a team, you can improve your culture. And then I believe that the companies with purpose make the most money as well, too. So being able to build a brand that is purpose-driven, that's for the good of the world, is 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 really, really my goal. And make lots of money doing it. Yeah, well. I could not agree more. And I, I think that when women, re- when real, when you realize you have a purpose, then it's not like making money because you're not making money for you. You're making money for your purpose. So for example, if I only, I just care about women. I want women to succeed. I want them to be empowered and be themselves and live great lives. That's what I care about the most. Now, if I can get paid to do that, oh my gosh, that, that would be the greatest thing, but I would do it for free all day. So I think when women have a purpose, like you're saying, if you have a purpose, then you don't have to, you don't have to feel icky about the money because you're doing good things and you're changing the world. Yes. Yes. There are a lot of lies, toxic, toxic lies that people keep themselves prison imprisoned. And that's one of them that, that money is icky, you know, like money is just energy, you know, and money is is a tool that you can harness and that you can basically ride (laughs) to help you and others succeed. And there's nothing, nothing bad about it at all. Yeah. Have you always had a really good relationship with money? No. Or was that no, something no, you no, had no, to no, learn? No, no, no. I read this book called The Energy of Money. I wish I had it. It's on my dining table right now. And Dr. Maria Nemeth, and I'm actually working with her. I've been stalking her for the past couple of years. I'm actually going to be working with her. I just had her on my podcast. You should have her on your podcast. Oh, I, she She's sounds phenomenal. amazing. Yes. And she wrote this other book called Mastering Life's Energies. And I read this when I was in my 20s and I had no idea that I was just completely ignorant about it. And some of the lies that I told myself was like, oh yeah, my dad will take care of it. And I did stupid things with money. Like, because my dad always told me like, I'm going to take care of you. Like, okay, I'm going to rack up all the bills as much as possible. I'm going to rack up my credit cards. I'm going to rack up parking tickets in New York. And I'm just going to have you pay for night. And then when you look at yourself, what the book tells you is you have to look at, look at it, right? So there's four steps. It's look, see, tell the truth and take authentic action. Those, those four things. And then when you do that, you realize like, oh my God, no wonder nothing is working out with me because I'm not living who I really am. And I thought, thought to myself like, well, that's not who I am. Like, I don't want to be an asshole. Why do I act like that? Why, why do I rack up credit card bills? Why do I just leave my car on the street to, to rack up tickets, you know, just because it's snowing, you know, like when, once I started getting aligned, when I paid back my parents for the, the parking tickets, even though they didn't even ask for it, it, it was about $5,000 when I paid back my student loans, something happened, you know, and, and change happens like this. The truth is when you make that really strong intention, even if you didn't pay back your student loan or that debt, it's that strong intention that I'm going to live a different way. That's when you sort of wake up and that's when things change. I thought it was after 
you know, that I have to pay back everything. But I saw the changes happening in the first moment when, when I said to myself, you know, quietly, like, oh, I'm going to change. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to pay them back, you know? And they're really surprised. They're like, oh, that's so cute. You know, they're like, yeah. me but it was for you really. Yeah. It was for you. It didn't it really, it was for me. It was for you. It yeah. was for me. And after that, now it's just like, I, I feel like I have the golden, what is it? The Midas touch, the golden yeah. touch. Like yeah. I have no issues, you know, like I have millions of dollars. Look, look, I, I got to send you one of these. <laughs> like, I love it. I, I give people millions of dollars. Yes, I'll I'll put it in the little brown book. Will you put it in my book? Yes, (laughs) I'm basically showing Liz a a million dollar bill. I have million dollars, million dollar bills, and billion dollar bills, and I and I give it to the female entrepreneurs that I that I mentor. I mean, I love it. I love I love that you, you know, you know these things because you've been through them yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, it yeah. makes it, it, what's hard for me is sometimes if I'm working with somebody and I feel like they don't understand my experience, but you really have been in every stage of, you have struggled, you have succeeded, you have pivoted, you have reinvented, you have rebirthed, you have all the things. So you really are an amazing, just wealth of knowledge, Kalika. That's why you can teach, Elizabeth. That's why you can coach because you've been through that. People cannot coach beyond their experiences. They yeah. can't. You know, er, otherwise, you know, it, everyone with an MBA would succeed, right? Everything is theory. But if you've lived it, if you've gone through it, oh, it's a totally different thing. That's what, now, that's what's interesting. That's why I think everyone needs to coach. That's why everyone needs to hire you, Liz, because <laughs> on the outside, people, this is the issue with women. They follow what other women do on the outside. So they were like, okay, she uses rocket lawyer software for this. I'm going to do the same thing. Like have, she has no idea why I select the software in that context, right? Because she doesn't have all that experience. So they're, they're following this sort of like the outside and then they make mistakes because they don't really understand the context. And you can help put give everyone context. <laughs> I mean, I just it. need to work with you full-time, Kalika. That's what I need to happen. Okay. <laughs> We are now on to the speed round, Kalika. This is the fun times. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Cocktail of choice. Oh, so I stopped drinking. That was the one thing that also helped with my productivity. (laughs) I stopped drinking in 2014. So now my... my Okay, what about a mocktail or what do you like to drink? Anything. Celery juice with lemons and apples. And then my favorite golden glow turmeric lattes with oat milk. <laughs> I have yeah. heard about this oh. from, I saw, first of all, Kimberly Snyder was on the podcast. Have you ever talked to her? No. But you I need know. to have her on your podcast. Okay. She's amazing. And she got me into these green smoothies and, uh, and got me drinking hot water with lemon and I'm an Aries. So I run hot. So I don't like hot drinks because I'm already ah. hot. How about warm? So, yeah, that's what I'm doing. That was my pivot. I'm doing. I said I will do it warm. She was like, "Okay, fine." <laughs> yeah. But anyway, she's an amazing entrepreneur. You should have her on the show. But she talks about all those different things. So you you guys would have a nice, nice little chat. What is a mantra or quote you live by? Oh, um, Albert Camus. In the depth of winter, I finally learned that within me lay an invisible summer. <laughs> wow, that is uh, who French says this? Who is this by? Albert. Camus. Oh my God. That's so beautiful. I'm going to remember that forever. What makes you feel unstoppable? 
we're all unstoppable. You know, I'm inspired, you know, just even having this conversation with you, you know, you're, you make me feel unstoppable. We're all unstoppable. When we all realize that all these other lies that we tell us is that we can't, can't do it. Can't, I mean, we're naturally unstoppable. We're born unstoppable. You know, we just put all these, <laughs> the weight on the world on us. Yes. And uh, if we just came out from under that burden, I think we could all fly. So true. Who do you admire? Oh, I love Oprah, you know. But you know who I really admire? I admire all the invisible women who get up each day, no accolades, no awards, no being on podcasts, relentless, consistent, get up every single day, every day, rise up, rise up. Those are the people who I admire. Yes, yes, yes. What are you most proud of? What am I most proud of? I think maybe, you know, hopefully, you know, getting a million women to change the world, you know, I mean, besides family, right? Of course, like my kids, you know, are awesome. My kids have a company, you know, like I'm proud of that. Yes. What? So your kids have, what is the company? Your Is it, it's cookies? Is that what you said? Conscious Kids Cookies. Yes. I'm very That's proud so of that. Awesome. They got a, on CBS and <laughs> ABC. Of course your kids have a yeah. business, Kalika. That would be, it would be weird if they didn't. But they've had their company since they were nine, you know, and so they keep on pivoting. First, it was, you know, coconut drinks, then it was felt bulletin boards, and then it was slime, and then they stumbled onto cookies. And uh, yeah, that's so I am proud of them. I'm really proud of them. (laughs) That's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Kalia, for coming today and talking to us, inspiring us, making us feel like we can do it, and that we can, you know, that if anything, that women need to know their worth and how much they are needed, how much the world needs you, right? So I I really appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, thank you so much, Liz. I'm so inspired by you and I'm filled with gratitude and awe. Thank you. You're amazing. Thank you for joining me today. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. This is the Conversations with Warrior Women podcast with me, Liz Swadek. Remember, every woman has a story. You just have to ask her. Bye.